Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. I want to talk to you today about Jesus being the game changer. Jesus, when he arrives on the scene, he changes things. Look at Matthew chapter 1. I'll start with this verse. This is traditionally a Christmas verse. We read this a lot at Christmas time. In verse 23, it says, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Aren't you glad God is with you? (laughs) He is with us today, and because he's with us, we know that he can change circumstances. That's what I mean when I say God is a game changer. Whatever is going on in your life today, if it needs changing, he can do it. Amen. And so remember that God is with you. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Um, This verse I've been living in all week long, thinking about my friends there in that jail being tortured and beaten. And, And this is the verse I stood on. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Do you love Jesus today? So do you see, God is there working for you who have been called according to his purposes. It says all things God works for good. Not just some things, all things. That includes spiritual, emotional, physical, financial, social, you name it, it covers everything. God wants to work on your behalf in every single situation of your life. Now I know most of you here, you know Jesus, you know he's there with you, but for those of you that are here that maybe have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I want you to know he loves you, and he wants to work on your behalf. This verse says, all things he will work according to his great love. I'll give you an example. Right before I left Nepal this time um, in June coming here, uh, I was selling my car. I, I had this very small, I call it my toy clown car because it was about as big as this podium. Um, Marisa and Adam came to visit me in March with their two boys and we barely fit all of us in this little car. That was fun trying to do that. Um, But one thing about that car, I had the car for eight years, never had one bit of problem with it, except sometimes the air conditioner worked and sometimes it did not. you might wonder, well, you're in the Himalayan mountains, why would you need an air conditioner? But in Kathmandu, it's extremely polluted, so you don't even want to roll your windows down in your car. So that's why everybody tries to have air conditioning in their car. Well, sometimes my air conditioning worked, and sometimes it didn't. So as I'm driving home, I had had lunch with my friend who bought the car, He's the son of the the Nepali man who originally invited me to Nepal 30 years ago. And it's his son who bought the car. So we had lunch together, the whole family, and, and as I was leaving, driving home, I'm thinking to myself, I really don't want him to take this car until I get this air conditioner fixed once and for all. 
So I'm driving along, and then all of a sudden, my car completely dies on me. I'm coming down a hill, there's a huge truck right behind me, and my car dies. And there, it, even the steering, I mean, everything just died. And I'm, my first concern was the truck behind me, and then, because my steering wasn't working, I, I thought, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go. But next thing I knew, I was on the side of the road at the bottom of the hill. And I really believe that angels pushed my car over to the side so that that truck could go on by me. Because at one point, I even took my hands off the steering wheel. I, I mean, it wasn't working anyway. And so, um, so my car stops, and I'm sitting there, no! No, I'm selling this car, it can't be broken. <laughs> and, and I get out of my car and I pop the hood as if I knew what I was doing, <laughs> you know, looking down at this car engine, I don't have a clue. And I'm standing there on the side of the road just praying, Lord, what do I do, what do I do? And um, I called my friend Balakrishna, whose picture you will see in a moment, he's one of the ones who wound up in jail. And I called him and I said, Balakrishna, my car died, help! He said, okay, I'll be right there, where are you? And I told him approximately where I was. This old man comes walking by me and he says, do you have car trouble? I said, yeah, my car just died. And, and he said, well, what happened? And I said, my car just died. <laughs> it's dead. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, can I raise hands on it and raise it again from the dead? You know, it's completely dead. And so he's looking in there and he says, well, I'm a mechanic. I said, oh. Praise God. He said, yeah, my shop's right there. And he points across the street. Now, I had driven by this place at least 100, 200, 300 times. Never saw it. Huge sign. It says, Genesis Auto Repair. <laughs> With crosses and, you know, the fish symbol and all this stuff all over the sign. And, and he says, that's my shop. Um, he, he says, but your car is so overheated. He said, I think we just need to let it cool down before we can pull it into the shop. At which point, my friend Balakrishna shows up, he arrives on his motorcycle, takes off his helmet, and the mechanic knows him, and they start talking together, and um, to make a long story short, I picked up my car the next morning, it cost me $10 to replace something in the engine, but after that, guess what happened? My air conditioner worked all the time. <laughs> For eight years, it was on and off, on and off, on and off. So even, a, it seems like a silly example, but you know what? God is interested in everything in your life. Amen. Why? He is with you. <laughs> He's working on these situations for your behalf. And so um, the car, praise God, is with Pranay, and it's working great, and he has air conditioning. <laughs> he is with us. Praise God. You have to know that he is with you. He is with you to do a number of things, and I'm not going to take time to turn to all of these verses, but one of the things that he is with you for is to bless you, to physically bless you with whatever you need. Um, health, finances, you know, he's there to bless you. And I've, this past week has been amazing for me personally because People, when they heard about what was happening in Nepal, they were walking up to me all week long, handing me money left and right, and I don't need any money. 
Uh, honestly, God meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory, but you know, prosperity is having enough for yourself and a lot left over so you can help other people. Praise God. And so all of the money, I thought, well, I can use this to help them with their legal fees, you know, because they're going to have a lot of them in the days to come. I thought, thank you, Lord. That's being blessed, you know, that we can be a blessing. Why are we blessed? We are blessed to be a blessing. Not just so that, you know, we can get all happy and being blessed. God wants to bless you. But realize it's more than just blessing you. It's blessing you so you can be a blessing to others. And so um, that's been happening this week. He wants to bless you. The second thing he wants to do for you because he is with you, he wants to protect you. Have you ever needed protection? You know, that big, huge truck on the back end of my car could have easily squished me in a heartbeat. But God, I believe, protected me. And I've got story after story after story about God protecting me in the nations. Um, I'll share one with you. I, I'm a storyteller. Is that okay if I share stories with you? It's the Irish gene in me that comes out with the storytelling. So um, a few years ago, I was in one of the Middle Eastern countries, total Muslim nation. We were invited there to do some meetings um, with some workers that were there. There were there's a lot of Nepalis that work in this country, a lot of Indians, Pakistanis, Bengalis, um, Filipinos. And so we were invited in to a doctor's home. He and his wife were both medical doctors and strong Christians. And they invited us to come, myself and a friend, just to hold meetings with the, the believers that were there to encourage them, to strengthen them. It's not easy living in a Muslim nation if you're a Christian. And so we went and um, we started with 12 people in their living room and in 10 days time we had over 300 people and a lot of Muslims were saved. It was glorious. Um, we were able to plant two churches in three weeks. <laughs> it was just supernatural what happened there. So the last night of our meetings we were walking home, the group, and um, I said to my friends, it was about midnight, no street lights, very dark. And I said, you just go on ahead. I just want to spend time thanking God for what he did here in this nation because it was so remarkable. And so they said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, I can see you, no problem. And so they walked on ahead, and I'm walking along just praying in the spirit, worshiping God, and all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by 10 men the Muslim men with the gowns and the turbans, the whole deal, and they, they surrounded me, they circled me, and they just stood there, glaring at me. <clears throat> now, I'm a woman of faith, <laughs> you know, so you would think that wouldn't have fazed me, but it, it did. I mean, my, knee, my legs were like shaking, thinking, no, no, what are they doing? Lord, what do we do? And I remembered a story that I had read, I think it was in Brother Copeland's magazine, about a woman who had been attacked in a parking lot by a mugger, a guy with a gun. And the woman said to the guy, in Jesus' name, drop the gun. And so that story came back to my memory, and I thought, the name of Jesus. That's it, the name of Jesus. And I looked at these guys and I said, in the name of Jesus, move. 
and nothing happened. <laughs> they all just stood there. <laughs> and, I, and I thought to myself, that should have worked. <laughs> but you know what? You can't live on other people's stories. You have to live on the Word of God. And so I'm standing there and I'm thinking, okay, that didn't work. That's supposed to work. <laughs> and this, I can't even describe it in natural words, but it's like all of a sudden the power of God just began to flow through me. And, and I thought, who do these guys think they are? I am a servant of the Most High God. How dare they? <laughs> And these two scriptures rose up on the inside of me. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen. Hallelujah. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And as those scriptures rose up, along with it came this power and authority. Jesus said, I am with you always, wherever you go, with power and authority. And so I, I, again, I looked at who I thought was the leader of these men, and I pointed right at him, and I said, get out of my way, in Jesus' name, I am coming through. And these guys, you know, are like big men. I'm, and in the natural, I'm thinking, I'm coming through. Uh-huh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but you know what happened? This guy, he went just like this. And I was able to walk between two of them to safety. Praise the Lord. This is why you need the word of God on the inside of you. Because if I hadn't have had that word on the inside of me, I seriously doubt I would be standing here today. You know, you have to have God's word on the inside of you. You have to know that he is going to protect you. And so I walked out and I walked along and and, I, and as I'm walking along, I just kind of glanced over my shoulder to see what was happening. And that man that had dipped to let me through was standing there just like that, frozen in place. All the other men were just standing there, still glaring. Not one of them had moved. And I don't know if God stopped time. I don't know if the angels were holding them down. I don't know what happened, but something happened when the word of God was spoken. You know, when it infused me with his power and authority, I knew that God was there to protect me. So this is one of the things that he does for you because he's with you. He will protect you. Another thing he does is he delivers you. Look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. <clears throat> we will look at this verse because it's, it's a good one. They're all good. Hallelujah. First John chapter 3. Um, the beginning of this chapter is talking about um, sin and Satan, and, and I don't even want to go there, but in the last part of verse 8, it says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Amen. <laughs> you know, Jesus wants to be in your life to destroy all the works of the enemy. Amen. I was a drug addict for 10 years when I accepted Jesus. And you know, Jesus set me free, completely, totally free. And he'll do that for anybody who sincerely wants to follow him. But I still had some things trying to hang on, you know. And over time, as I read that scripture, I was like, Jesus, there's some other things in my life that just have to go. And he has set me free. You know, whatever you're dealing with, I, it could be fear, worry, 
You know, worry is not of God. Fear is not of God. Any kind of fear is not of God. Friday night we talked about the fear of man. It's not of God. And so Jesus will set you free. Why? Because he came to destroy all the works of the enemy. Shame, guilt, he came to destroy it, to set you free. Fear, worry, discouragement. Anybody ever get discouraged here sometimes? You know, let's face it, we all do. We're human, and sometimes circumstances in life. But Jesus can set you free. Amen. He's with you to do that. He's with you to bless you, to protect you, to deliver you. He's with you to heal you. Any of you ever been healed by the Lord? Amen. He's the healer. I remember um, some years ago, I, I went blind in one eye. And at the time, I, this is before I went on the mission field, um, I was a journalist, and I needed to be able to see. Um, we didn't even have computers back then. I'm kind of a dinosaur, you know. <clears throat> Pastor Tony and I were in Raymond together 35 years ago. That tells you how old he is. <laughs> So we didn't even have computers back then. We were doing everything by typewriters. So I had to be able to see to do my job. Um, and, and so I go blind in the one eye, and I, and I have surgery for a detached retina. Well, after they did that, they fixed it. Then the eye got infected, and the doctor said to me, oh, Deborah, I'm so sorry, but um, you'll be blind in that eye. And I said, no, 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 I cannot be blind in one eye. And I went home and I immersed myself in healing scriptures. And again, in those days, we didn't have cell phones, mobile phones, we didn't have computers, so um, you, you had to actually, I'm old school, I have a real Bible here, <laughs> and that's what I did. I just opened the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and I began to write down the scriptures on healing. Um, and they began to work on the inside of me. So that a week later, one morning I woke up and I could completely see out of that left eye. Hallelujah. God's word works when we work it. But he is with you to heal you. Whatever sickness you may be dealing with today, he is your healer. Amen. He wants to give that to you because he loves you. He's also with you to make you righteous. Amen. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Can you say that with me? I am the righteousness of God in Christ. He wants to do that for some people here this morning. He wants to make you righteous. He wants you to know him so that he can bless your life, so that you will know that he is with you. He's with you to give you peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not of the world. Amen. God's peace supersedes the world. You know, as we were praying this week for my friends that were in jail, that was one of my main prayers. Lord, not just giving them peace that are in jail, but giving peace to those who love them, to their families, um, to their churches. Um, we need your peace, Lord, because honestly, my heart was in tatters. Um, those of you that have been with me this past week, you know. Um, and I needed the peace of God. So finally, it was probably Monday or Tuesday of last week, I, I just was praying, and 
The Lord said that to me. He said, Deborah, you have my peace, not as the world gives. Amen. That peace will carry you through anything that you need. You can't get it from pills. You can't get it from alcohol. You can't get it from drugs. I tried all those things. They don't work. You know, there may be a temporary release or relief or whatever, but they're not going to work long term. You have to have the peace of God to live a Christian life today, especially in the world today, because you never know what might happen. You know, you have to have his peace. So that's another thing he wants to bless you with joy. He wants to bless you with joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Um, that's so important when you're facing a, a hard time, the storms of life, a crisis. You have to have that joy to give you strength to get through. Um, so he's with you to bless you, to protect you, to deliver you, to make you righteous, to heal you, um, to give you peace, joy, life. He is with you. But it doesn't stop there. He takes it another step even more fantastic than that. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> He's with you. Emmanuel, he is with you. Say that with me. He is with me. Turn to your neighbor and say, he is with you. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's a very powerful verse here because, you know, Jesus doesn't do anything halfway. He goes all the way. And it says, verse 16, don't you know that you, are, you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Amen? If you are a believer here today, God's spirit lives in you. He's not just with you. He's not just for you, he's actually living in you. So this body that we have is the house, if you'll call it that, that carries God's spirit. You know, you're the spiritual house for God, amen. You know, sometimes in Nepal, um, I live kind of a, a goldfish life. You know, I feel like a little fish in the clear, glass bowl and everybody's staring at me, everybody's watching what I'm doing. And one day I was um, complaining about that, kind of whining, whinging. Where's Marisa, is she here today? Whinging, she taught me that word, good Aussie word. <laughs> so one day something happened and I was whinging about it, this is what happened. And some of you know this story, so just bear with me, blame the Irish jeans again. So. I'm walking along the street, and I'm used to being stared at there. I, there's not a lot of people that have blonde hair, blue eyes in Nepal. So I've kind of gotten used to people looking at me, staring at me, but this day it was over the top. I mean, people are walking down the sidewalk, turning around, looking at me. The guy in the taxi drives, almost drives into a telephone pole, staring at me. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on? I'm not the monkey in the zoo. <laughs> Why are they staring at me? Feel, you know, whinging. Lord, I'm tired of being looked at. You know, it sounds crazy, but anyway. So all of a sudden, I felt something down by my knees, down by my ankles, and I looked down, and my pants were on the ground. 
So I was merrily walking along the street with my pants following along behind me. God has a way of keeping you humble. <laughs> um, the pants in Nepal, the women wear these pants that are really, really wide, um, and there's a drawstring that, that they use to hold them up, which is real convenient if you're pregnant because you just let the drawstring out little by little. Very smart. <laughs> um, but I never felt them, you know, and so I quickly pulled them back up and turned my back, and I'm tying them up, and I'm facing a row of these little grandmas that were sitting there working on their sewing machines in a tailor shop, and they're all laughing hysterically. And I, you know, I keep walking, and I'm, I'm whinging to the Lord. I laugh, too, but I'm whinging. I'm like, Lord, um, this isn't fair. Poor me, you know. And the Lord just said, Deborah, get used to it. I want you in the glass bowl because I want people to see the glory of me. You see, our lives, yes, they should be so visible to people that when they look at us, they see the glory of God. Amen. Because he's in us. Amen. So we're different. We're supposed to be different. And, and from that day until today, I don't whinge about that anymore. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Lord, so let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So I just encourage you, you know, know that you know that you know that God is not just with you, he is also in you, amen? And there's five different things that will influence your knowing that. Number one, God. God has to be the center of your life, not out in the periphery somewhere. He has to be on the throne of your heart and your life. And when he is, it's easy to hear his voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And so when you're that strong in the Lord and you know that you know that you know he is with you, you would never even dream of doing something that would be against his best, amen? So he has to be on the throne. That's one of the main influences in this spiritual house that you have. Another influence is Satan. And I won't go there because I'm not gonna glorify him. But if there's anything that he's trying to tempt you with, you just need to stand strong and say, no, in Jesus' name, back off, amen? And sometimes you have to do that to Satan because he'll keep nagging if you let him. Don't let him, amen? That's all I'll say about him. The third influence that you have in your life is the world. And I know that sometimes the world pulls on you. Um, and you have to be able to hear his voice stronger than those pulls of the world. You know, sometimes there's just things that distract us or um, it's like we're, we, we always want to be entertained. Is that true here in Australia? It's certainly true in most other Western countries I'm, I'm in. It's almost like the God of entertainment is the thing. And, and if you're always wanting to be entertained or, or um, you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's, we don't need to be entertained all the time. Because what happens is if you're distracted by those things, 
And it could be different things for different people. But if that's what you're seeking after, it will cause the voice of the Lord to grow dim. Do you understand what I'm saying? So put aside all those things that you know, you're thinking are going to satisfy because they never will. It's only Jesus who will satisfy. You know, in some ways, I feel like I've been really blessed to live in the nation of Nepal. For one reason, we don't have electricity 90% of the time. So I don't, I'm not able to watch movies. Pastor Tony doesn't know this, but I completely messed up his TV. <laughs> because when I come to Australia, one of the things I do enjoy is um, watching a movie, and I can't figure out the technology. Um, Adam's laughing because he's helping me with technology this week. I'm kind of a dinosaur when it comes to technology. But because of that, we don't have anything to do to be entertained, so it gives us more time to pray together. It gives us more time to fellowship together. It gives us more time to read the Word. So in that respect, don't feel sorry for me that I don't have electricity. <laughs> I'm blessed because of it. I'm not distracted all the time by the things that we try to entertain ourselves with. So that's the world, you know, that tries to entice you and pull you away from the things of God. You know, stand strong in your spiritual house so that they don't affect you. Amen. Um, the other thing that will affect or influence your spiritual house is other people. Um, and we need other people, amen? <laughs> the body is here so that we can support each other, especially in times of need. But sometimes you just need to shut out what other people are saying. Especially if the Lord has shown you something that he really wants you to do, guard that in your heart for a while. Because sometimes when you begin to share that with people, they'll try to discourage you. Do you understand what I'm saying? God will never discourage you. With God, all things are possible. And so that's another influence in our lives that we need to be careful about. And then the last one is yourself. Sometimes that's the, the big one right there. <laughs> you know, what you say affects your spiritual house. You, you have to have the Word of God inside you as a foundation so that what you're saying about yourself or your situation is in agreement with God's Word. Amen. Um, earlier this year, I was told that I had cancer. That's actually the second time in my life that I was told that. Uh, one time was, oh gosh, 15, 16 years ago. Um, and both times that the doctor has said this to me, I, I just, my immediate default button is, no way in Jesus' name. You know, that particular word, I don't know what it is about that, but you can mention any other disease and it has an effect, but the moment you hear cancer, what comes behind it right away is a spirit of fear. And you have to stop it. You have to say, no, in Jesus' name, I will live and not die. I will live a long and satisfied life. Amen. And so that's what happened earlier this year. My first reaction, my doctor's a Hindu. And when he said, um, you know, Deborah, look, you know, we have five years of reports here. You have to do something about this now. This thing is growing. We have to get it out of you. 
And he, I said, well, what is it? And he said, well, it's cancer, Deborah. I mean, he just said it just like that. And they almost never will give voice to that in Nepal. I said, no, it's not. He said, well, yeah, it is. And so we got, no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. <laughs> and I was like, on the inside of me, I was like, no, 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 it cannot be. The life of God lives in me. Hallelujah. But I went through with the surgery. You know, God gives us doctors for a reason. You know, they know things we don't know. I really believe this is one of the things I so appreciated about Oral Roberts. He, he always said, God will use the doctors to help you while you're standing for your healing. <laughs> you know, and, and so I, I'm not against going to a doctor. If you need to go to a doctor, go see a doctor. But realize that this report is greater than their reports. <laughs> and so anyway, to make a long story short, they removed... Um, that growth, and it was not cancer. Thank you, Jesus. Um, my point is, you have to be strong in your spiritual house so that if a crisis comes or a situation comes, you're not um, up and down with it. Do you understand? You're not wishy-washy with it, but you know God is with me. God lives on the inside of me, kind of like those guys that surrounded me. And I thought, who did these guys think they are? I am the servant of the Most High God. You know, you have to know that on the inside, that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're the healed of the Lord. Amen? And so you build that foundation on the inside of you so that you know that you know that you know God is with you. He's in you. He's for you. <laughs> He's not going to let that circumstance continue in your life. He said he would work all things, all things for your good because you love him and because he loves you. And so I just want to talk to you a little bit about how to build your spiritual house so that you can stand strong no matter what's going on around you. Because we need this. We need to stand strong as believers in Christ. And we're a testimony to the world. Amen? So first of all, look with me at um, John chapter 10. And I'm going to ask James and Jenny and two other people to come forward at this time. In John chapter 10, you know, we have the story of the shepherd and his flock. And Jesus is talking about his sheep, and he says, his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. We're the sheep. <laughs> we belong to Jesus. So we can know him, we can hear his voice. And you have to have that in your lives. You have to have that foundation strong so no matter what happens, you hear his voice. And I'll show you an example of this. Um, so we have James and Jenny here who've been married for 40 years. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so James is going to put this blindfold on. And the three ladies are going to come here in front. Oh, have him turn? Okay. Okay. 
So, James, you can't see anybody, right? No. Okay. Um, I'm going to have some people talk to you. You're going to tell me which one is your wife. Okay? Yes. Okay. Can you say Jesus loves you? Jesus loves you. He is good. He's good. Jesus loves you. He is good. Jesus loves you. He's good. Which one is your wife? Well, that's the second one. The second one. What do you know? Um, let's switch some things up here. You can, you can go. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. God is good. God is good. All the time. All the time. No, no, that's not her. Jesus loves you. God is good all the time. No. No. Jesus loves you. God is good all the time. Excellent. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you. How did he know that that was his wife? It's a good thing he did, right? <laughs> Would have completely destroyed that example. <laughs> no, I knew he knew her voice. He's been with her for 40 years. They know each other's voices. So it is with us and Jesus. We know his voice. The more time you spend with him, the more you know his voice. The more you know he is with you, that he is in you, so that you don't listen to anything else. You just hear clearly the voice of God. You know, sometimes in our lives, have you ever tried to tune in a radio? Or do, does anybody even use radios anymore? I need to update my examples <laughs> for these developed countries. Um, those of you that are older than 60, <laughs> we used to have this thing called a radio, and, and you would turn it on, and you would tune it in, and all you would hear was static, you know, and, and you couldn't hear it clearly, and so you just turned it a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, until the voice came in clearly, amen? Can you all understand that, even though maybe you've never even seen a radio? <laughs> Hallelujah. The voice of God doesn't have to have any static in our lives. We can hear him clearly because we are his sheep, because we follow him and he is with us. So this is one way that you develop your spiritual house so that it stands strong. You know his voice and you know it by spending time with him. The second way you develop your spiritual house is through the word of God. If you would turn to Joshua chapter 1. <clears throat> how to build your spiritual house. How to make it strong so it stands no matter what. Remember I said, I started today saying Jesus is the game changer. So no matter what's going on in your life, you can go to him and he will change the situations for you. Spend time in his word, verse eight. Do not depart, let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Amen. Jesus wants you to be prosperous and successful, but there's a key to that, and it's having the Word of God on the inside of you. You know, if I had not had the Word of God on the inside of me when those men surrounded me, I don't know what would have happened, but nothing good. You know, you have to have this foundation in place. 
it's too late to try to get it in place when something hits. You know, um, we had a series of earthquakes in, in Nepal last year, over 600 of them actually, and my house was cracked from top to bottom. The whole foundation shifted. I don't own my house. If I owned it, I would have built it a lot better. Um, I rent my house. And so the whole foundation had shifted and the house was cracked from top to bottom, every single wall, I mean, it was a mess. And, and it was such an example to me watching that, thinking they didn't build it with a good foundation. Another friend of mine, her house had not one crack in it. And the reason is the landlady who built it said they spent five times as much on the foundation as what they did outside building. And I thought, what an example to us. You know, sometimes you can look at a house and it may look okay from the outside, but you go on to the inside and it doesn't look so good. We have to have a good, strong foundation. Because when the storm of life comes, when a circumstance comes, that's not the time to get out there with the carpenter and start building again. You know, the foundation already has to be in place so that we have something to stand on. Amen. Um, Jesus said that, you know, not to build on, on sand, but on the rock, so that your foundation will stand. Look at Psalm 119. I love these verses in Psalm 119. <clears throat> you know, we call ourselves people of the word, and Psalm 119 is just full of the importance of the word of God. Look at Psalm 119, verse 1 and 2. Blessed are those who whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. Praise the Lord. Verse 25, I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. Amen. Psalm 114, uh, 119 verse 114 says, You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. Verse 130 says, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Amen. You know, these verses were such an encouragement to me this week because in the natural, nothing seemed to be happening for my friends that were in the jail. And I just kept saying, Lord, your word is true. You watch over your word to perform it. You will work all things out according to your will. You will work things out for their benefit because you work all things for their benefit. You see, I could say that because I know the word of God. Hallelujah. You have to know the word of God. You have to have it stored up on the inside of you. So these are ways you build up your spiritual house, spending time with him, get rid of distractions, come to Nepal if you have to, <laughs> get rid of the distractions, just spend time with him. Number two, spend time in the word of God. And number three, spend time praying in the spirit. Look at Jude 20. Well, I have another funny story to share. Jude 20, spending time praying in the spirit. Verse 20 says, You dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Build yourselves up. You see, it's on us. 
Jesus is with us, he is in us, but we're the ones who build this foundation. And one of the ways that we do it is by praying in the spirit, praying in other tongues. It helps to give you faith, to build your faith, but it also gives you wisdom. Because when you're praying in other tongues, when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you're in tune one-on-one with the Spirit of God. Amen. You know, this little verse here, it's not talking about one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Every believer can receive the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's your spiritual prayer language. And so, one time in Nepal, again, I'm driving my little clown car, and I got hit by two guys on a motorcycle, head on, their fault. They came around a truck and just came right, hit me in the front, and they went up over my roof, and they fell down onto the side, onto the ground, onto the road. And of course, I immediately slammed on my brakes, and as I'm getting out of my car, The guy who's lying on the ground, one guy fell to the ground, the other guy is standing. The guy who fell to the ground, I heard him say in Nepali to his friend, quick, it's a foreigner, we can make money, tell her I'm dying. And I heard him, and so I got out of my car, I'm standing there and I reached down and I said, I know you're not dying, (laughs) get up, and I pulled him up. And he looked at me with surprise. He said, you speak Nepali? And I said, yes, I do. And I said, are you okay? And they said, yes, we're okay. Um, But in the meantime, a crowd gathered, the police came, and we had to go to the local jail uh, to file a police report. Now, let me say this about prison ministry in Nepal. For the first 20 years, more than 20 years that I was there, they would not allow any foreigner to minister in the prisons. Well, then they started saying, well, you can come in to the prisons and only minister to other foreigners. So, fine, I I was doing that. I've done that for several years. But my heart really was to minister to the Nepalis that were in jail. Um, I started in ministry and jail ministry, and it's still very close to my heart. I've had the great privilege of speaking and ministering in prisons in 16 different nations now. And so my heart was, Lord, open the doors to the prisons of Nepal. Open the doors to the prisons of Nepal. And today, we have um, a prison outreach every Christmas, and we're now in nine different prisons (laughs) um, ministering to the inmates. We give them Christmas packages every year, food and clothes and bedding and all of that. But that day that I'm in the jail filing the report, I was not yet preaching to any Nepalis in prisons. So I'm sitting there in the jail. The lawyer of the guy who was lying on the ground comes in, doesn't realize that I'm sitting there, and he walks up to the lieutenant policeman who was in charge and said, quick, we need that stupid foreigner to sign this document so we can get money from her. And I'm just sitting there, not saying a word, just praying in the spirit, Lord, I don't know what you're doing here, but I know that you're working all things (laughs) for good. And the lieutenant says, "Um, yeah, she's not stupid, (laughs) and uh, she understands Nepali. (laughs) And the guy whirls around, and I'm like, hi. (laughs) Right then, another friend walked in, Nepali, and I didn't know it, he worked in that jail. 
And he spoke on my behalf. I didn't have to say a word. I'm just sitting there praying in the spirit. And he said, she's a good woman. You need to let her go. And the lieutenant said, okay, you can go. And I left, and I'm still thinking in my mind, what was that all about? God, your word says that you will turn all things for good. Two days later, the lieutenant of that jail calls me and says, I was wondering if you would be interested in coming in and doing a Bible study with the Nepalis. (laughs) Yes! Hallelujah! And that was the beginning. And so now we're in nine different prisons this year, coming up in Christmas this year. So um, all things, God will work for good. Praying in the Spirit helps to build that spiritual foundation. When you don't have discernment and you don't have wisdom, God will give it to you. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, One last scripture I want to share with you in Proverbs. And turn with me to Proverbs chapter 24, and this is the last verse I will share with you today. I'm sorry I went over a little bit with my stories here. Proverbs 24. This is a very fun verse. Verse 16. For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Amen. Jesus is your game changer. He's on your side. He is in you. And whatever's going on in your life, you know, maybe you stumble or you fall, you can get back up again. Something hits, maybe you stumble and fall, you can get back up again. Here, the righteous, they don't stay down. Amen. Because Jesus is with the righteous. He's the game changer in your life. And I don't know what's going on in your lives, but he does. And so I want to say to you today, you know, if there is something going on, just know that Jesus loves you, and he wants to be on your side, working all things together for good. If you are here this morning and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you can do that. You can ask him in, and then you will know that he is on your side. That's what it means to be born again. The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's that easy. You don't have to go through a whole rigmarole. You just call out to the Lord and say, I want to be saved. So if you are here today and and you know that Jesus is not where he needs to be in your life, we want to pray with you when we finish up here in just a moment. Um, There may be some of you here where you don't have the baptism with the Holy Spirit and you want that today. We will be here, the leadership team, to pray with you when we close today. I just want to encourage you with this message and throughout this week as you examine the scriptures for yourself, know that you know that you know Jesus is with you. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, 
please visit our website at rhema.org.au.